0: space shuttle this is flight safety this podcast may contain at all themes and language listener discretion is advised please keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle while in motion you are clear for launch the following paragraphs are from chapter three of a fan fiction story titled ten thousand nights by today's guest fan fiction writer vintage beast strange was already getting nervous for once in his life. This was a completely different social interaction than what he had ever remembered having. A witty, incredibly pretty-looking woman that was somehow so normal yet fascinating at the same time. In his daydream, he failed to notice that his hurt hands had slipped up to her back, caressing the overlay of the dress, as if he'd done this a thousand times before on a date. Walking a little while, we come to a coffee cart, suggesting that we maybe grab something not wanting Strange to feel obligated to take me to a full restaurant, despite me looking a million dollars. I knew if he was just doing this because of Tony, he did not have the time to waste on me, hoping though that due to his large protective hand on my back, it was more than that. Things had been pretty quiet while I drank coffee, still holding Strange's tea in my other hand. So to break the silence, I started rambling on about why I moved here, and some long mathematical possibilities of me meeting a superhero out of everyone in New York, finally taking a breath to drink again. You're quite intelligent, you know, Chrissy, strange states out of nowhere, smirking. I couldn't believe how enthralled he was by just me speaking, forgetting that he could see millions of possibilities at a drop of a pin. He drew down to my form, getting dangerously close to my face again like at the party, not touching at all but faces sensually tracing each other's lines like the world was starting to disappear around us in a heated flurry of sexual tension. "'Oh, really? I'll take that as a compliment coming from you, then. "'Mr. Sorcerer Supreme, please save them for the bedroom.' Both of us choking on what I came out with, jostling the tea in my hand in a giggle, trying to flirt, a bit escaping and splashing onto his tunic. "'I'm so sorry, let me get a napkin?' Turning to head back to the cart. "'It all happened so quickly.' A shadowy figure ran past me. All I knew was pain blacking my eyes. Looking down, I saw a thick red patch forming against the green spreading out quickly. Chrissy is all I hear, as it seems like I fall forever, passing through different wells of time, falling through a portal after portal, waking up landing on a bed, arms hooked around me, shock tensing me even as I feel the soft, cool sheets around me. To the north, south, east, and west four corners of the world, greetings from the wild-arid desert of the American Southwest, I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Our special guest fan fiction writer today is Vintage Beast. They've been on AO3 since 2020, and they have 22 fan fiction works posted for Star Wars, Ghosts, Harry Potter, and the MCU Universe. Vintage Beast is a cosplayer and theme park lover. Hell yeah. They've been cosplaying and sewing their own costumes since they were 13. And they've been cosplaying a variety of different things, including Dr. Strange type costumes and Pokemon. They also run and photograph the Pokemon cosplay meets in the UK. Vintage Beast, welcome to the show. How you doing?
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. It was so cool to read about how you make your own costumes and you've been doing so since you were 13. Amazing.
1: I know it's um, it's been it's really been a love of mine sewing and pattern making and that because of my dyslexia I sort of seem to go down that line a lot more I down the, the pattern making and drawing route <laughs> a lot more than sort of like not practical but you know what sort of subjects would you call it academic sort of route yeah Right,
0: right. Well, I just think it's so super cool. So artistic to be able to do that. I can't sew to save my life. Did you teach yourself how to do that? Or did somebody teach you?
1: So we had basic lessons in school. And then my great aunt just so happened to have the exact same sewing machine as we have in school. So she was like, you might as well borrow that while you're learning. And then it was like I had access to a sewing machine 24-7 then rather than just at school. So I could have a mess around on it. So it was partly school and partly just sort of learning myself. I've taught myself a lot more since leaving school than they ever did in school.
0: That's usually the way it goes. Once you're passionate about something, you're just like, I have to learn everything about it. And you'll just teach yourself the things that you need to know. So I think that's really cool. Before we were recording, we were talking a little bit about your cosplaying experience and you were telling me about this really cool like duo costume that you were doing with your significant other. It was a Doctor Strange themed. I was hoping you could just describe that whole setup for our audience really quick because I thought it was really cool.
1: Uh, Yeah, so as we will soon learn that I love Doctor Strange (laughs) in the podcast. Yeah, so I cosplay his other half, Klee. But also my boyfriend then cosplays Doctor Strange himself. And I thought it'd be a great idea to make the um the cloak actually wearable. Cause I'm into like puppetry and things like that. So I made the cloak so I could actually stand inside of it and make it wave at people and follow him around. If I hug him, I can it can basically look like the cloak's draped around him.
0: Yes. When you were describing that to me, I thought that was the most clever thing ever. And I can just imagine, I can picture it so vividly in my head what this looked like. And I can just imagine the smiles on people's faces when they saw Doctor Strange with his waving cloak at the convention. Like, that must have been amazing. So, we know that you have a history with fandom like activities, such as cosplaying. But of course, you obviously have a history with fan fiction as well. I was wondering if you could tell us do you remember finding your very first
1: fan fiction? I had to think back. This is going to be. Probably one of your strangest stories ever, I would think. Because I had to think way back and I was trying to think, when? And I thought, oh, it must be when I read Harry Potter fan fiction. I was about 13. And then I remembered, oh, no, hang on a minute. I know something that predates that. And it was back in the day. I don't know whether you remember or whether I'm going absolutely mad. Do you remember back in the day when people used to make Wikipedia pages for um for ships and things like that? Yes. I don't remember. Like, what is it? Is it fan tropes? Yeah, like fan tropes and things like that. But this was actually on Wikipedia. Oh, see, I never saw it on Wikipedia. So that existed? Yeah, it existed. And it's like the most weird, it it doesn't exist anymore because I have checked just to see and I might be just a total mind blank. So I was doing childcare as one of my GCSEs. And there's a children's show (laughs) called Balamori. Which is like a little kids' show, and they have like different, like a policeman and like shop worker and a school teacher and things like that that live in a village. And it's like, okay, researching this for some reason, somebody had done a great big long list. I don't know how I came across it through Wikipedia, but somebody had done a great big long list. Why the policeman and the guy in the castle were clearly together wow a slash pairing I don't know wow. how and from there I think it had a fanfiction.net link so that was sort of like okay well what's this and I think somebody had actually written fanfiction about them
0: well of course of course if it exists there's fanfiction about it somewhere
1: yeah <laughs> of it. and it's like so obviously that led me to like and I was like Oh, I wonder what else there is. And of course at the time teenager Harry Potter it was probably like I was like, Oh, I wonder if there's a thing for Harry Potter, and I wonder if there's a thing for such and such and stuff like that. So yeah, it snowballed from there. And it's like that was something in the dark recesses of my mind. I'm like, I can't believe I found slash fanfiction.
0: <laughs> off of Wikipedia. Off of, of Wikipedia. All
1: yeah, off of Wikipedia. It doesn't exist anymore, but I remember it being a great big long list of like, you know, like episodes that they're in together and things like that. Like somebody had clearly taken the time to point out.
0: Oh yeah. Somebody was doing God's work there yeah. back in the day on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah.
1: On Wikipedia, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And actually that is kind of sad that all that stuff got taken down because I'm sure that there were other pages dedicated to other fanish type things. You yeah. Know? And uh, how sad that all the work that people put into that just got taken down. Oh, my God. Oh, that makes me sad. But also, thank God for Wikipedia that you were able to find fan fiction that way, because that's so random. (laughs) I know, it's so (laughs)
1: random. Yeah, because also at the time as well, as I have mentioned before, I'm dyslexic. And um, when I was 13, I actually had the reading age of a seven-year-old. They told me, you know, you've got to read to improve yourself and what have you. But the problem was that they would give me stuff which I didn't want to read. And of course, being sat reading fan fiction, I could read it to myself. Didn't matter if I was reading it correctly, because I was sat reading it in my head. Well, yeah, and it was something that you were probably
0: much more interested in than the other stuff.
1: Yeah, than actual like school stuff. Because my reading age was so low, Like they were giving me like little kids' like literacy books, you know, like here, there, where you know with like big letters and that and it was like you know for a teenager I was a bit like I would love to be able to like read an actual book right yeah and it was sort of a bit like and then as I got older it was like who says that I can't read an actual book because I'm reading it to myself like I know what's going on (laughs) I can comprehend what's going on I don't have to tell anyone else so fan fiction sounds like it really kind of helped you yeah it did it did. It really did boost my, um, my schoolwork <laughs> and sort of reading age and things like that. Cause I had to go to extra lessons as well. And the teacher that did my lessons, she was so confused because really basic words I couldn't do, but yet I could do more difficult words. And she was like, why do you now do like, read that or say that and it's like oh because i see that regularly obviously due to fan fiction and stuff like that but i couldn't spell august and she's like why can't you spell like august is easier than like that word i'm like because we're never in school and we have to write august so like, it doesn't get used
0: did you tell her that you were learning words from fan fiction, fan fiction
1: yeah like i would i'd like to tell, tell teachers like oh i'm reading stories on the internet and they would be like oh that's nice <laughs> I like, could have you read like not knowing what I was actually reading. They probably didn't realize what kind of stories no. you were reading. Because we could also get fanfiction.net wasn't blocked on the school computers, me and my best friend, oh. learned as well. So we could read it in the computer lab without it getting flagged.
0: Oh my God. You were reading fanfiction at school? Yeah,
1: yeah, in the <laughs> computer lab. Oh my god, that's
0: actually really great. <laughs> I
1: know, I know. It's great. I remember one day, this is when we are a little bit older, it was um, GCSE, so that's like, end of GCSEs is like end of high school, so we would have been 15, 16, and me and my friend got to do extra classes after school, and the teacher just didn't turn up one day, so we sat in the computer lab reading fan fiction for two hours after school, because the teacher never turned up. Was that every day? Yeah, like every week. Like you know, oh my god!
0: Like, because the teacher didn't turn up. So you had like a dedicated fan fiction class every week.
1: Yeah, like me and my best friend, just like there, like reading, like look what I found.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, that's the best actually. Two hours of uninterrupted reading time.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Nobody's gonna annoy. Nobody's gonna. If somebody comes along, they're just gonna see it's a page of words. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Just keep that extra tab up if you need to toggle over so nobody knows what you're doing. And you're home
1: free. Keep a Word document up.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's what I used to do. Okay, so it sounds like you've been reading fan fiction then for quite a long time. I love talking to people that have been immersed in it for a long time. Because I feel like... As the years go by, we often encounter surprising or interesting things that we learn about fan fiction. So, I'm just wondering, from your perspective and from your experience, what are some of the most surprising or interesting things you've learned about fan fiction so far? And also, what do you love the most about fan fiction just in general?
1: Oh, I'm trying to think what have I learned from fan fiction? There's only ever one bed. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yeah. and they were roommates. <laughs> and they were roommates. Yes. <laughs> there's also there's like a whole subsection. Me and my friend discovered of NASCAR fan fiction. Really? Yeah, yeah. NASCAR romance and fan fiction are like a whole thing. But <laughs> oh, see, I was
0: aware of baseball fan fiction, and I've also seen NFL fan fiction hockey fan fiction i did not know about nascar fan fiction
1: yeah no there's nascar yeah i think if there's something this is the nice thing about fan fiction i think it exists for nearly like everything and you can make fan fiction virtually of anything so there's probably in the depths somewhere like (sighs) For some vague thing, I can't remember exactly, but for some vague thing, I seem to vaguely remember that there was even like fan fiction for certain adverts in the UK as well. Really? I've read. Yeah. I, I can't think what specifically, but it's like people in the UK with fan fiction just seem to like pick the most wildest things. <laughs> <laughs> and we love it. <laughs> yeah, we love it. and it totally not nothing to do with an advert or stuff like that but it reminded me that I read a fan fiction once and it was all about David Tennant eating an ice cream oh my god it's David Tennant slash ice cream yeah
0: you could write anything about David Tennant and we would read it so oh yeah no
1: I know but it's like it just seems to be like literally if, if somebody thinks of a fan fiction pairing it exists which is what surprises me and it's like and I shouldn't be surprised (laughs)
0: Well, that actually reminds me. I did see recently this thing going around on Twitter a couple months ago. Have you seen that coffee commercial? I think it's a Folgers coffee commercial from back in the early 90s. I think it was the 90s. And it was like a brother and a sister having a conversation in this commercial about coffee or whatever. A lot of people who saw that commercial sort of thought that there were incest vibes between the brother and the sister in that commercial. So somebody wrote a fan fiction about it and it was making the rounds on Twitter a couple months ago. So yeah, actually, now that you say that and mention it, I have seen at least one fan fiction based off of a commercial <laughs> about coffee.
1: Definitely. I don't know whether it's a thing in the US, but it's definitely a thing in the UK and I don't think it happens as much anymore the adverts in the uk used to be like cereal so they would tell a story so you'd sort of have to keep on watching the adverts to sort of get the next part of the story really like in months yeah so there was like it would be like poking fun at things but again you're saying about coffee there's uh i can't i think it's nescaf and there's like a series of nescaf adverts advertising the coffee but it's a miniature story as well and it was like over years so like It was like a guy and a girl. And it was like sort of like it almost told like a story, you know. So over like years, it'd be like the same like two people in the advert.
0: It's like a little mini soap opera or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. They do it as well. There was also a soap cleaner called Daz as well that they would literally play up to that soap opera thing and make it a different like cliffhanger kind of thing. I don't think they do it much anymore, but definitely sort of early 90s, early noughties like adverts used to be like, you know, consecutive. I did
0: not know that. And I am fascinated by that idea. First of all, it's brilliant, right? Because if you want to know what happens, you have to watch the advert. So that's actually really brilliant. That's too bad they don't do that anymore. How classic. Wow, wow, wow. Well, see, now I can see why people would write fan fiction about British adverts. Because if there's a story in there, of course you would. Of course you would. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so you have to tell me some of the things that you love the most about fan fiction just in general. I'm very curious to know.
1: I love that there's no right and there's no wrong ways sort of thing. It's like, it's like a weird, it exists in that space. Is it doesn't matter that those two characters get together because it's fan fiction kind of thing. It's like I often say, so I'll give an example. So I, in the films, like I wouldn't necessarily ship Kylo and Hux from Star Wars but I have nothing against reading fan fiction about them kind of thing. It's like just because I don't sort of ship the pairing doesn't mean that I won't read the fan fiction of it. It just sort of exists that you can explore those things. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. And you don't have to read anymore. You can try things. You might like them.
0: Yes, I love that point that you can try things. I mean, how many of us have discovered things that we actually really love because we encountered that one fan fiction that did that one thing and suddenly we're like, oh my God, I actually really love this, whatever this is. Whether it's a trope, whether it's a new fandom or a new pairing or just whatever it is, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I have
1: discovered so many things that way just by trying it out to see, do I like it? You never know. And if it's not hurting yourself or others and what have you, it's a safe space to sort of try things as well. If there's sort of things that you maybe didn't, you know, you can't feel like you can't speak to people about, things like that. It sort of gives you a safe space to sort of like see what somebody else is, because it's also seeing things from other people's point of view. It's like I say, going back to like the Kylo and Hux thing, it's like... It's nice to see like why somebody would read, like would ship them because they've obviously done a fan fiction and you couldn't see things through other people's perspectives of why they might like that. Just because you don't doesn't mean that it's not necessarily wrong. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that point so much that reading literature in general is this expansive experience expansive in the sense that we do get to encounter other people's perspectives and thoughts on different things that may differ from our own. But how interesting is that to be able to explore that in our own way and in our own time and then have the opportunity to think about it? And, you know, I love that point so, so much. I am curious about your writing journey because you've been reading fan fiction for a while and you did mention a couple minutes ago that you wrote I think some Harry Potter fan fiction when you were about did you say 13?
1: Yeah yeah again going back to everything happened when I turned a teenager didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's funny it's funny because I also got at the time so the other reason for reading fan fiction and that as well I think a lot to do with was I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was 13 See the trend here <laughs> when I was 13. But I was misdiagnosed with type 2 when I was actually type 1. And I wasn't given insulin for two years. So the whole time throughout high school, the latter end of high school, I wasn't given insulin. And I was doing it on diet and exercise. And I'd have a lot of time off of school because I was... Obviously, my body was physically breaking down because it wasn't the right... It wasn't well. Because it wasn't getting insulin. So again, I'd spend a lot of time on the computer reading fan fiction. And um, yeah, playing video games. Because I was stuck at home. And at weekends, I was stuck at home and things like that. I couldn't... I sort of... Other friends and things were going out to parties. And people were like, oh, like, we can invite Christy, but she can't eat. It got to the point where I physically couldn't eat food. I was living off a chicken before they redid the test, and they're like, oh, actually, you do have type 1, you need insulin.
0: Oh, my God. I can't believe it took them two years to figure it out. That's crazy. Yeah, two years.
1: Yeah, and I did all my my GC... Yeah, so I did all my tests and everything under the sort of conditions of being unwell and being... I got down to seven stone before they redid the test. Ooh.
0: Well, thank God they redid it, though. Yeah,
1: I know. We had to fight to have it redone, and it was like, now I can finally... Eat food again.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. But I can see how that would have been sort of an isolating experience during that age range, right? Because you're right. Like 13, uh, if I reach back really far, I can remember sort of what it was like to be a teenager, right? And you do just kind of want to be with your friends. You want to be social with other people your age. And so not physically being able to do that is so isolating and so... It sounds like, yeah, you were kind of forced to look for more solo activities that you could do. And writing is definitely one of those things that you can do on your own and kind of relieves that creative itch for a lot of people. Did you always know that you wanted to be a writer or did that kind of take you by surprise a little bit?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely by surprise. So I was always very much a listener, you know, very auditory sort of music because I was in... um. Sort of choir and musical theatre and all like theatre club and everything like that. I did drama all the way throughout school and up to A level, which I suppose beyond is like that's sort of like A levels like 17 to 18 range. So is that upper high school for you? Yeah, so I did sort of drama all throughout that. So I was always very much a, like I would learn things parrot fashion and I can do stupid voices. And I actually did like stand-up comedy and things like that. So I've always been good at sort of speaking and sort of explaining things and sort of giving twists, so sort of storytelling. But the actual writing down part was I I always struggled with. And it wasn't until I got diagnosed with dyslexia properly until I was 21. (laughs) So again, I went all throughout school with not getting the proper treatment for my dyslexia as well. They sort of gave me the diagnosis and it's like, you can comprehend and you understand things perfectly. You just struggle writing it down. And I sort of dabbled, obviously, in my teenage years writing like little bits and bobs, but they're only tiny little things. And then what really took off was it was the pandemic again. And it was like, oh, look, I've got all this time to read fan fiction again. It's like, I'm older now. I wonder if I could actually like write something down. And so I did. And then it sort of got likes, and it seemed to be that people actually could understand what I was saying. So I think it took me, obviously, growing up and sort of having that more experience and more reading experience to actually be able to then turn what I could explain down into writing. So the sort of full on writing didn't really start until 2020 in the pandemic recently. Aside from like teenage, you know, like tiny little things. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: so many people I've talked to have gotten into writing in the pandemic. So many people have said that to me. Oh, I didn't write anything until COVID happened and we were all stuck at home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, boredom is a funny thing for a lot of people. And uh, we, we end up trying all of these new things. So I, I think that's wonderful, though, that fan fiction has kind of given you that ability to try again. And to be like, "Could I do this?" And it turns
1: out that you can, yeah, I know and it's brilliant to sort of learn that it's like, yes, like I can do it, like after being like told like you know told all the time, like, Oh, like we don't understand what you've written, and it's like, well, clearly people do,
0: so <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's this whole space where you can just you know, and like you said, you can tell whatever story you want with any storyline or trope that you want you could experiment as much as you want. I mean, it's like an open field and nobody gets to stop you. So that's the most wonderful thing. Anybody can try their hand and just have fun with it. And to me, it sounds like you're just having so much fun.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I've got so many on the back burner now. It's like, you know, and I've still got other ones to finish, like big ones, but I'm just so happy that I have, you know, I wanted to finish one full big one to prove that I could Well, it was just more to myself than anybody else. It was like, look, I can do this. I've not given up just because it's writing. I've managed to do this. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes. And you know what? I don't think sometimes that we give people enough credit for that, finishing something. I know that for a lot of you out there who are prolific writers, you finish stuff all the time. And kudos to you and all that. But I think (laughs) that finishing something is amazing. The folks that are able to do that, even when it's hard, you know, to just push forward and finish it anyway, that's so cool. I'm sure that that felt so good to be able to finish your first piece and go, I did
1: it. Yeah, no, it was it was one of the best feelings. It was like, I've done it. I want to do it again now. (laughs) <laughs> yes, like exactly
0: that. exactly because yeah. you've already proved that you can
1: yeah i proved that i can so we can we can go one step better now we can <laughs> exactly
0: exactly okay so you have to talk tropes with me here for a second you know obviously like we all have our favorite tropes right some of them are guilty pleasure some of them are just the normal stuff whatever i'm wondering what your favorite fan
1: fiction tropes are i really couldn't think I'm going to go to my bookmarks and see if there's anything, what's on the best sort of additional tags. I mean, there's clearly smut is the first thing, so that's what could help. <laughs> da, 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 da 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 Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first thing on AO3 that I have. Like, I've gone to all my bookmarks to see what's on AO3, what's the top, like, thing. But now, I've got written down. I don't know whether it counts necessarily as a trope, but I love twists on fairy tales so the fairy tale sort of tropes so i know there's a lot of always beating the beast but i kind of i find that a little bit boring beating the beast trope i much prefer cinderella because i'm one for like i love a good makeover i love the you know You get the makeover and then you get the guy like, oh, who is she? And then like going back into recluse again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Very old school fan fiction. You know, they'd always have on the denim skirt and the blue eyeshadow. And it's like, oh, my God, this is the height of fashion. (laughs) (laughs) It was, though. It was. Early noughties, height (laughs) of fashion. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you can get an outfit description or something, it's like, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes yes no that makes perfect sense because in the fan fiction that I read to prepare for today there was plenty of description about the outfits that the character's wearing oh definitely <laughs> and I didn't know at the time that you sewed you know yeah so now that I know that oh it makes sense you know but yeah I can absolutely see that because you put that in your story so
1: yeah otherwise I'm trying to think what else sort of thing wise there is I mean, I'm not a massive fan of enemies to lovers. That's like my best friend's favourite trope.
0: A lot of people get real wild over that yeah,
1: one. <laughs> yeah, I more prefer, I wouldn't say necessarily. I don't know how you put, I quite, I quite like, this is why I gravitate towards um, Hux in, in my Star Wars fan fiction. I quite like sort of somebody sort of uptight and sort of more buttoned up that you sort of have to loosen up. Kind of thing. You know, they meet their oh. sort of foil in that sort of way rather than sort of direct enemies kind of thing. Yeah. And I think, again, you can probably see it in the Doctor Strange fanfiction. Maybe not as much because he's a bit more laid back, but you know, that sort of more sort of getting to that, like, you know, the sort of, I suppose, grumpy and sunny is the sort of closest thing.
0: You know what tag I see most with that kind of a thing? I see the tag emotionally constipated. Yeah, (laughs) you know, for the character who's so buttoned up and uptight and stuff, needs to be loosened up a little bit. Like that's the tag I see the most. I think (laughs) it's not like that. It cracks me up every time. (laughs) Yeah,
1: because I know there's always like a thing going around, and it's like, oh, first your first fictional crush, and that is like who you fall in love with and stuff like that one of my first fictional crushes i don't know have you ever watched um red dwarf i have
0: not i've heard of it but i've never no, seen it but
1: there is so one of the guys in that rimmer is basically a hologram which is like he's just really uptight and that and i had a massive crush on him and he was one of my first <laughs> crushes so it's clearly it's clearly all stemmed from that
0: Again. <laughs> yes, you know, there's always that one that you fall in love with first, and that becomes the precipice of all of the other crushes that you'll ever have in your entire life.
1: I mean, the other complete other end of the scale, my other first crush was um I was probably like too little to even even know I had a crush on him, was um Harvey from Sabrina, the T oh witch.
0: Yes. <laughs> I remember Harvey. He was such a himbo. He's yeah. So funny.
1: So yeah, so then you've got the other end. So you've got like the really intelligent guy, like uptight guy. And then you have...
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so funny.
1: Which again, probably changed because my second favourite Marvel character is Thor. So again, you've got
0: the... Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that one. Yeah. I have special thoughts about Thor too.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's just funny how you've got the two completely different ends of like, you know, uptight, intelligent and him (laughs)
0: I know. I know. Well, you know, you got to have your fun in different places. That's all I got yeah, to say about definitely. that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have talked about this a little bit already. Uh, you've talked about being dyslexic, and you've also talked about your diabetes and things like that. I know that in the fan fiction that I read for this episode, you did feature a diabetic character, which I thought was really, really cool. So I was wondering if you're comfortable talking a little bit more about those things, especially as they relate to your writing, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that you probably feature those types of representations in other stories as well.
1: Yep, yeah, so I do. And again, it was one of the things, again, in lockdown, because I was reading things, And when you sort of start reading one ex-reader, you sort of get to another and another. And I sort of started to think, it's like, well, I don't think I've ever read somebody with diabetes. I'd found a few sort of plus-sized things and it was like, well, I haven't found anyone with diabetes. I was like, oh, I wonder what's underneath that. And there wasn't sort of anything much. And I was like, there's nothing stopping me writing a diabetic character, even if I just make it sort of vaguely a self-insert. Maybe I can sort of do that. And yeah, I do have... Do I have one or two? I think it's only the other one that's posted. I've got some other ones in the works for diabetic characters, but I've got a... And I'm quite proud of it. It's a Lupinex X reader. It was the thought of... And I did it... I tried to do it as gender neutral as possible as well with them being diabetic because I sort of thought of the the thing of that, oh, you know, he's a werewolf. Werewolves have good smells. And also... You can get dogs that are trained to sniff out diabetes. (laughs) Yes, you can. So it was like, it was like, so, you know, if we're adding in real world things, like he would be able to sense things. So again, I tend to lean towards, especially I think with the diabetes aspect, I tend to lean towards characters that would probably be able to sense it kind of thing. So you've got Lupin, that's obviously the werewolf with the sense. You've got Doctor Strange, who has, obviously, the the magical ability, but also then has been through trauma himself as well. I've got one in, like, Saved, and it's Hunter from um, Bad Batch. And, again, he has a heightened sense of smell. Like, he is genetically modified for that heightened sense of smell. So I thought, again, well, again, he would be. So, yeah, it's sort of a, you know, what real-world things, you know, would this character be able to sense? And it was just sort of as well reading a lot of smut, as you do. <laughs> right, right. Um, it was like um, having sex with a pump was definitely a learning curve as well. And I'm like, well, I'm sure there's other people with pumps. And also I've got friends with, um, oh, what are they, Cafeter bags as well, which is for crones and things like that. And I was like, well, you're still sexy. Like, I'm sure I can represent that, even though you've got a pump on you. <laughs> you know, even though you've got something on you, kind of thing. So that was sort of where it stemmed from, as I sort of wanted to, to sort of represent something else, you know, that maybe people hadn't thought about.
0: Exactly, exactly. No, and thank you for discussing that, because that's one of the things that I love about fan fiction, is fan fiction is this tremendous opportunity to fill the voids In those types of representations, you know, the things that we don't get to see, that we want to see in storytelling, right? You know, and unfortunately, in traditional media, there's a lot of things that don't get represented. And so, you know, fan fiction is this tremendous place where we can tell stories about anything that we want. And it's really, really amazing when people pull in those real life aspects into their stories and stuff. I just, I love to see stuff like that. So thank you. Now speaking of Doctor Strange, that is what we're talking about today.
1: (laughs) I think we've hinted a few, a few times. (laughs) Yeah, a few
0: times, a few, and there will be more people. That is the main character that your OC uh, reader is with in this fan fiction. So, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Doctor Strange. Why is he such a compelling character for you?
1: So, it actually the, my life sounds so dramatic. It actually the fascination with him started back um, when my mother wasn't very well and she was in and out of hospital. And I was sort of looking at doing Doctor Strange as a as a cosplay and things like that. And I've read sort of Doctor Strange things and that before. And I read that, oh, he was he lost his feeling in his hands. And sort of some complications that mum's lost her feelings in her hands a little bit as well. So it was sort of like it just so happened at the time, you know, it was like, here's something, you know, here's a character which has the same. And also at the time I was still on um finger pricking, which you do for diabetes. And again, I can lose sensitivity in my fingers with that as well. There was like a chance that I could lose the, you know, the touch and that in my fingers. So I was like, oh well, you know, there's somebody else. And then as time grew on I sort of learnt that I could sort of see that him being given these sort of magical abilities and that wasn't something that he asked for. But he just sort of has to get on with it. And again it's the same with diabetes. I I never asked for it. <laughs> but it's something that is a constant now which I have to keep going to live you know I could go to sleep one night and have a hypo and you know that could be you know (laughs) so it's kind of like so seeing him from that perspective that you know it was maybe a character that was going through things as well but also was like a superhero it was just sort of something that I grew attached to.
0: <laughs> I can see why. There's a lot of elements there that are very relatable to you. Yeah. right? I can see why there would be that emotional attachment with Doctor Strange. And he is super cool. You'll have to forgive me because I, <laughs> the only information I have about Doctor Strange is just from the MCU movies. I'm not like, you know, a comic book junkie or anything. So this is something I've always wondered about. I don't know if you know the answer to this or not, but like I can't recall if they address this in the movies or not. But I've always wondered, is Doctor Strange himself magical? Like, does he have some sort of otherworldly ability that most people don't have? Or did he simply learn these skills at that temple because I seem to recall that he was just a regular guy who went to this temple and was taught how to do these things and so I was like wait a second is it just something that you can learn like anybody can learn or does he actually have special abilities
1: so yes and no so he does he's obviously he's had to go here to learn but the main thing and sort of one of the most finding thing about his character as well is that he wouldn't stop You know, there's sort of like a thing where, you know, you go there to learn and you sort of learn the basics and that. But he sort of wanted to push forward to be the best because he's that egotistical. He had to be the best. So he had to go beyond the learning to the next level. And that's sort of how he gains his abilities because he just sort of pushed forward like, okay, right, well, I've learned this, but I've got to be the best at it. So we're going to push on forward
0: Right. So maybe his special ability is all of that steely perseverance that he seems to have. (laughs) Well, that makes sense. That makes I have always wondered about that. Like, okay, what's going on? That's actually great news for my brother. I have lots of brothers, but I have one in particular who has always wanted magical abilities. But he's just a regular human, you know, so he's not like uh, possessed of magical abilities. So um, he would be very excited, actually, to learn that Doctor Strange doesn't have any particular magic abilities from some otherworldly place.
1: No, no. I mean, he calls upon it from like other, this is the thing, he calls, say his magic is actually sort of called upon from other things. And I think in the second film and in the comics as well, there's a lot of artifacts which are sort of magical. So it's like a lot of relics and that. So they, that's what has the magic, but then you've got to be a certain type of person with that, that ability to make them work. So again, like with the cloak, the cloak chose him. So the cloak itself is magic. He doesn't give it magic. It's like a magic relic, but it could sense that, you know, that he could use it, you know. So it's not necessarily the person magic, but the magical items, you have to have that ability to, you know... That thing in you to and call upon things, you know. Call yes, upon
0: I was going to say the knowledge of how to call upon yeah. these things and how to make them work together and things like that. So that's actually really cool. Thank you for settling that in my brain because I was like, okay, supposed- <laughs> how does this work? All right, let's talk about Ten Thousand Nights. Ten Thousand Nights is the name of your fan fiction, and it is an X reader original character slash Doctor Strange fan fiction go (laughs) ahead and tell us what this story is about and I also want to know where the idea for the story came from and what are the things that you were exploring here with this story
1: so the story is is that Doctor Strange comes a well I wouldn't say come across it was more like they come across each other a strange woman in the rain and sort of initially they don't get on but then as time goes on, they get on very, very well. <laughs> and um, that it's also revealed that it might be that they get on so well because of something that happened in the ancient past. And so that is where we then get some Greek gods and things come in, which I hope you found very fun, because I, I love Greek yes. mythology as well. There
0: were some dramatic twists here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And that sort of part of it stemmed off was I wanted to write, obviously, a self-insert kind of thing and also some sexy time with Doctor Strange. (laughs) But on the other hand as well, I've got a tiny, tiny bit way, 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 way way back of Greek heritage. And I remember being little and at one point my nan saying that my great-grandmother, I think it was over the next one up, or is it, it might be two up. So great, great, might be great, great. She was like, oh, I don't know how a Greek person ended up in a barn, but there you go. And that sort of got me thinking. It's like, well, <laughs> how did she oh, get into this barn? <laughs> yes, you put that in the story. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's where the Greek sort of myth descendant thing comes from. Because it also got me thinking. It was like, yeah, like I know I have Greek heritage in me, Like It's like such a tiny little bit. And it was like, well, it was just like this passing comment that I had made to me as a child. It's like, like she was like, you know, I don't know how on earth she got from Greece into a barn. And it was like, well, (laughs) that would be an interesting thing to also find out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. How fun that you could put like a piece of your own family history in this fic. I love it.
1: So that's from one side. And then the nice other side of things was that another reason... Why I started writing in that. And I always like to think my other great grandmother, she was diabetic. She would not give up her chocolate. She carried a handbag full of chocolate everywhere she went, (laughs) as you do. And also, she would also get my mum to go and find her um, saucy romance novels to read in bed with her husband from jumble sales and things like that, because she loved a good romance novel. So I like to think, as well, by doing that again, I'm sort of writing, you know sort of leading on from her as well following in her footsteps of like you know reading a saucy story and and making them as well I was like i like to think you know (laughs) that you know like a nice mills and boons kind of thing
0: (laughs) yes I think she would have loved this story honestly because it's definitely it has like the rom-com romance you know And there's mystery and a little bit of intrigue, and there are some points of danger, and like we said, some dramatic twists that are really interesting. I don't want to spoil them for anybody, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but they are there and they're very cool. And then, of course, we have the happy ending, which I don't think is too bad of a spoiler. But
1: (laughs) well, well, I kind of left it on a on on very much because there is gonna there is a sequel. There is going to be some time hopping, so.
0: Nice, nice. Yes, I remember your author's note at the end where you were like, oh, "We're turning this into a sequel, guys? So it does sound like you have plans to expand the story. Yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, excellent. That's so, so cool. You know, I'm actually very curious about the reader insert. Is reader insert the same thing as X reader? Yes. Or are they different?
1: No, 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 that's the same. So reader insert is just basically you're inserting a reader into X reader is when the reader is paired with that character. So it's like you know, how you get like Hermione X Ron, you know, as a pairing. So X reader's just literally Doctor Strange, X the reader, you are reading it as the reader.
0: Got it. And that's the same thing as reader insert.
1: As reader insert, yeah.
0: Okay. So reader oh, insert
1: right. wouldn't necessarily be that there's any romance between the reader and, you know, the other characters. You know, just literally like reader doing the story, yeah. Whereas X is obviously like a
0: shit. Yeah, so yours would be considered the X reader because there's romance, obviously, between yeah. like,
1: the character
0: <laughs> and Doctor Strange. Um, I'm fascinated by this phenomenon because I've talked about this on the show a couple of times already, that the X reader or the reader insert genre of fan fiction it didn't exist when I got into fan fiction 25 years ago. If it did exist, it was so far underground that I never found it. I didn't start encountering this until maybe 2014, 15, something like that. And it's grown into this huge thing that people really love. I have to tell you, this is the 1st X ex-reader that I've ever read in my entire life. So this was my introduction to this genre and I'm so curious about it. I would love to hear your thoughts and perspectives on the reader insert genre. Like what are some things that you as a writer or a reader get out of reader insert that differs from other genres of fan fiction?
1: So from my my point of view, so I would say that reader insert has kind of existed. 10,000 Nights, I would say, isn't a true reader insert. I do have other ex-reader inserts. I would say 10,000 Nights bridges that gap of OC and ex-reader, and I think OCs have always existed way back when, yeah, and that's how I didn't know about X Reader until obviously way later. And what I would do was I would get OC fan fiction and I learned how to edit documents. I would literally copy and paste, edit into a document, and you can select words to change. So I would go through and change my name to whatever the character's name was in that story. So I could do that. There is now an extension you can get for Chrome, which does that automatically for you, called Interactive Flicks. And you can literally change everything. Yes, that's so funny because I've
0: considered doing that, not changing like characters' names to my name, but there have been times when I've come across the perfect fanfiction and I'm like, oh, I would love to read a story just like this but with a slightly different pairing. I wonder if I can go through and just change the names. Yeah,
1: change the name. Story. Yeah, no, 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 there is an extension for, um, for Chrome where you can do that. You can select words and it will edit the whole fanfiction page
0: into what you want. Yeah. Oh, damn. Watch out, world. Watch out. I just learned something new today. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. But going back to reader insert, though, what is it that you love the most, I guess, about reader insert? I'm just, I'm so curious about it because I feel like I have, and I don't know if it's my age or my personality. I have no idea what it is, but I have always told people oh, I just feel really uncomfortable, like actually being in the story, you know, and maybe that's just my awkwardness coming through. Like, I don't want to see my awkward self, you know, like, oh, that's so weird. But so many people love this reader insert. And so I'm just kind of wondering, like, what are some of the things that you love the most about seeing yourself in the story?
1: I mean, I think that's, that's the thing It's being there yourself. And again, definitely in the pandemic, you want it to be anywhere else. <laughs> than on earth. So if you can live a thousand different lives in one year without leaving your bedroom, I i mean, I think it's brilliant that you can sort of pick to be, well, today I'm going to be with this person. Today I'm going to go into this world. Oh,
0: so this helps you feel like it's a very personal experience, like something you are personally
1: experiencing Amazing. with this other person. Yeah, definitely. And I think, again, that leads back to way back with obviously being in that isolation as a teenager and being unwell again going through making the ocs and making it because that was something i was doing something then you know who didn't want to be a teenager and go on adventures with harry ron and hermione
0: oh yeah (laughs) we all did right yeah we We all did did.
1: (laughs) so it's like you know but especially for somebody that was cooped up in their room (laughs) like you know And i think that's the thing like a lot of authors always sort of strive to do it as well as they obviously want to make a character that's relatable so why not make you know just have yourself in the story
0: right right no that's fascinating that it's a tool that can help you transport to another world it sounds to me like for you it's a more immersive experience the transportation is more immersive when you're actually in that story
1: yeah yeah I would say the best sort of example of this, and again, it was probably... You can see how it sort of snowballs. It's probably the best... One of this that we've had in recent years is Fifty Shades of Grey. So it started off as Twilight fan fiction, obviously a Bella Swan, gets turned into a book, which is... I think it's... Is it Dakota? No, that's the actress. But because that character was almost so bland, people could read that as the reader, and that's why so many people got invested in it. Because they could be that character in the book. And I think that's why it took off so much.
0: Yes, it was so vague that it could have been anyone.
1: It could be anyone. That's the psych problem with doing a diabetic character is that unless you have diabetes, you might not necessarily be interested in reading something like that. So it's kind of like bridging that gap of, okay, well, we'll make the reader someone then that they can slot into rather than necessarily say, you have diabetes. You know, (laughs) as a reader, you have diabetes. (laughs) I have to tell you, though,
0: that I think that those parts of the story were some of my favorite because I have very little experience with that kind of a thing. Right. So it was very interesting to me. To encounter that and be like, oh, that's so fascinating. And I never thought about, oh, yeah, what would she do with her pump if she's wearing this type of outfit that's very form fitting or like the ways that she found to like hide it in different outfits? You know, I would have never thought of that. And so just almost living that experience with her was so interesting. And I felt like the way you treated all of that in the story was so relatable. Even to somebody that has no experience with that kind of a thing. Like, I feel like it gave me a lot of really interesting insight into all of the different things that you have to consider, you know, and the different ways that it impacts your life and just the respectful matter of fact way that you described some of these items, you know, like. I could vividly picture this pump that you were describing. And there's that part in the story where the pump gets kind of um, damaged a little bit, you know, <laughs> so yeah, strange yeah. <laughs> and it has to go in there and fix it for her, which is perfect, by the way. Like, I, I love that he, you know, they're together romantically, which is perfect because he's a doctor. So who better to take care of somebody that has medical issues than somebody who is a doctor
1: who knows exactly what (laughs) she's talking
0: about. And it's like, oh, I can fix that pump for you. No problem. Yeah. (laughs) And she doesn't have to explain, you know, what a crash is or what a hypo is or, you know, all of these things. Uh, So I was like, oh, that's so perfect. But but yeah, I just wanted to tell you that those were the parts that were like especially meaningful to me as the reader, because I just thought, oh. This is so respectfully done and just done in such a normalizing way. Oh, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it was really well done.
1: Really thank well. Thank you. <laughs> now,
0: when you're writing reader insert fan fiction, can you think of any specific challenges that might come up in the writing process for a reader insert fic that might be unique to that genre versus fan fiction that's not
1: reader insert? I mean, I'm trying to be very much mindful. I. I'm learning and I'm trying to do it. But there is the only part, and it's been brought up a lot, the only problem with reader insert is it can be, you have to be careful that it doesn't get so particular that you can isolate people still with X reader So a good example is I've got another Doctor Strange one and that one's even more vague. It is a, a true x reader And that's been added to one which is POC and indigenous list because it can be read as that thing. And a lot of ex-reader fan fictions do have the thing of going into is it as soon as you say something like I'm not extremely hot on it, but I am aware of it. So I try not to is like if you say something like, oh, their white hand clutches his you know, and immediately you isolate a
0: skin colour or something like that. Yeah,
1: something like that. So that's immediate then you're then isolating, you know, a whole bunch of readers. And it is something that I am trying to, and it's one of my goals is to make, is to try to write a sort of gender neutral and, you know, one that is completely, you know, that anyone could sort of read. And I'm trying to sort of teach myself and learn myself how to do that. I've obviously done it two separate times and sort of things like that. That's the only problem with X reader But I think people becoming more aware of it because I think in books and media in general, obviously things are now changing a lot. So I think as well in fan fiction, people are sort of learning that, oh, it's not just yourself that is reading it. You know, it's people from around the world.
0: Right. Oh, that's fascinating because, yeah, as I'm sitting here thinking about what you just said, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, you would have to be really careful, right? Because if the immersive experience is... Uh, you know, what people are after a lot of times with the reader insert. Anything could take you out of that immersive experience if it's too specific, like you were saying, Yeah, being too specific (laughs) about certain details and things like that. So, yeah, you would have to try to be as, I don't know, I don't want to use the word vague, but I can't think of another word. You would have to be as vague as possible, I guess, right? Yeah. So that as many people as possible can see themselves in that reader insert character
1: yeah oh and that would be challenging holy cow yeah (laughs) Yeah. like I say I'm not 100% on it like I probably still slip up like I'm not the best but it is something that I'm aware of and it's something that you know that I do try to sort of think of as I'm doing things is that okay can everybody read this
0: Right, right. Well, and you know, I'm sure that it's just a learning process, you know, because you said you've done a couple so far. And I'm sure that as you keep going, you know, you just learn with everyone that you do. So it's probably this just learning process and probably talking to other writers who do reader insert as well because i'm sure that lots of folks out there have come up with really great ways of uh of doing these things yeah of
1: doing those things yeah
0: yeah exactly that's so cool though thank you so much for talking about that with me a little bit because i've had many curious thoughts about the reader insert genre and be like oh this is so interesting now, I'm curious because, you know, your 10,000 Nights, it's multi-chapter, right? So there's yeah. plenty of story there. I'm wondering if there is a line or a scene from this fic that you're the most proud of that
1: you wanted to talk about. I knew you were going to say this. I have the story up. I'm trying to rack my brain. I mean, I think going back to it, so my most, the most liked chapter on Tumblr um, it has nearly 200 likes and reshares is chapter three which is the as you've already touched upon the the pump breaking scene and the first um the first lot of smut as well that was their
0: first date right
1: yeah that was their first date as well so a lot happened in that <laughs> a lot <laughs> happened <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: there was a lot going on on that first date
1: <laughs> So I would say, although although obviously I love writing it all And there's some later things in that as well it Probably in that chapter and what have you And like you say, the pump breaking and sort of being fixed Because I was trying to make it sort of sensual kind of thing Because you sometimes have to, uh, you know, when things go wrong You have to like carry on and it's like, okay, well let's not break the moment
0: (laughs) right exactly it was it's actually perfect because you know in real life sometimes you go on these first dates and sometimes they go so smooth and then other times you have these disastrous first dates with someone and you're just mortified by it and you're like oh my god I've just ruined my chances with this person like this is horrible so it was kind of like it was actually really funny, not in a funny way, but just funny that they had such a disastrous first yeah. date and they just yeah. both rolled with it. Stephen was just like, ah, eh, no problem. I can fix this, you know, and she's mortified, but they roll with it and it's fine.
1: <laughs> and then, of course, at the end during it, you get like the whole, I don't know if you're allowed to swear on this. You are. Podcast, you are. I was going to say, because the words have become sort of infamous now with me. And sort of people that knows me, which is the fucking celestial <laughs> yes,
0: yes, yeah. that sort of becomes their' special like phrase, you know, like descriptive
1: phrase, and that's obviously before all the sort of gods and things come into things, so it's like quite a nice little like you know, and then I suppose then definitely go right to the end, like near the end, and you get the you get it spoilers two weddings. <laughs>
0: right Right. that's why i said happy endings because every rom-com has to end with the wedding yes
1: yeah um (laughs) but we're lucky lucky because we get two
0: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so no i'm glad you picked that chapter because that that was a very cool chapter first dates are always like you know in the rom-com genre First dates are important. yeah So <laughs> um, now we are coming up to the end here. Do you have any other fan fiction writers that you wanted to shout out on the podcast today?
1: I have a few, um, so I will shout out Lady in Writing, which is a lovely Star Wars fan fiction writer, and she also has a, I suppose, not company, so a Patreon where she does individual character audios and that and. Tailored to yourself. So again, sort of following on from the ex-reader, and you can find her on TikTok and on AO3 Wattpad and Instagram as well. Yep. So she's lovely. I'm part of her on um, Discord, and then I also call out Cookie to the Juice because she did a lot of writing with me and that in lockdown. So she was always a great help. And then a couple on Tumblr. Um, we have Strange locked, and if you're looking for Dr. Strange, ex-reader, Geeky Politics, that's it, on Tumblr. She has a very nice collection, which I'm a massive fan of and I love reading and there's always more to come.
0: Ooh, perfect. Those sound amazing. We'll make sure that they get up on the show notes. So that's perfect. Vintage Beast, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your thoughts and perspectives with us. We really appreciate you.
1: That's okay. It's no problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.
0: It was my pleasure. Check out their stories on AO3 and give them some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling.